Grab a seat. Pastor Adam Zulum, have a seat. <laughs> I'm going to call you by name. Mm-hmm. Have a seat, guys, ladies and gentlemen, please. I will take off and you won't be belted in. Man. Morning, everybody. Good. Everybody have a good Christmas? Yes. Good. Hey, we... Um, we have an incredible morning this morning. One of our core values is, um, really it's found in Revelation 12, um, 11. It says, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, the word of their story is the combination of what God does. And Clay was leading our production meeting this morning before service, praying for you, wanting to serve you well. And one of the things Clay said was this, is that God wants to not just use a person, he wants to use his people. And everybody has a story that God wants to say through them for somebody. And so this morning we are just really blessed and honored to end 2019. Um, stepping into and, and, and being who God has called us to be as a church, that, that God's message is in all of us. It's not just in some of us. It's not just in one of us. It's in all of us. God wants to speak through you. And it's not a resume-based journey. It's a relationship-based journey. And so this morning we get to, to jump into something of hearing from three people's lives this morning, that what God is doing in them, what God is doing for them, and what God is doing through them in that scenario. God wants to do something in you. He wants to do something through you. And he wants to do something for you if you give an opportunity to. I have the privilege this morning to introducing three incredible people. Um, first one this morning is the oldest one. No laughter? Okay, never mind. <laughs> but I tried, Alan. I mean, I tried. Is um, Alan Keyes. Alan and Shannon, I won't spoil the, the journey, but I'll give you a snapshot. Is um, They're an incredible couple who lived in a really hot place called Arizona. They moved to a really cold place called Utah. And they don't have any winter clothing, so if you have an extra jacket, they need it. They brought some stupid Arizona clothes with them, and Alan showed me this. Like, Here's my winter jacket, and I'm Alan, that's a piece of paper. You know, we need padding in it. And so if you have any extra jackets, please, no. But um, they made a... They made an incredible, incredible step of faith, which really we talked about this morning, and giving is a step of faith, and, and responding to God is a step of faith, and so I won't spoil it, and so this morning, first to come and share with us in reference to ending of the year, us hearing from what God is doing in somebody and through somebody, would you do me a favor, please, this morning, and welcome Alan Keyes. Well, good morning. Like you said, my name's Alan. I have a beautiful wife, Shannon, who's right there. I have two daughters, Lindsay and Lacey, and for the past, I was just thinking about it last night actually, for the past 17 years, uh, my wife and I have been in some form of full-time ministry, whether it be junior high pastors, youth pastors, associate pastors, and then, you know, for the past 10 years in Phoenix as executive pastors at a church there. And about seven to eight months ago, God started doing something, something I didn't expect. You see, I was kind of ready to kind of coast. <laughs> uh, we, we, had a, we had a great position. We were in a great place. We had, a, had people that loved us, that were around us. And, and we were just really, I, I was kind of like, this is, this is nice. And God started doing something in our hearts. Um, he started speaking something that we had never really heard before. <laughs> and, and it was encouragement of, of really 
I, I had been pushing my wife and, and pushing Shannon and, and really embracing her gifting and, and her calling in ministry and, and what God was doing in her life. And next thing I know, God was doing something in us that, that led us to step down from our role uh, at our church in, in the Phoenix area. And it's kind of scary because we didn't know where we were going when we did that. Uh, we just knew that God was starting to put some, some promises and he was starting to put some, some things in our mind uh, that we were stepping towards. And so kind of in the midst of all of that, we ended up through a connection, uh, Aaron and Joanne Rimming that are good friends with, with Rob and Andrea, ended up out here for a weekend. We just came to hang out, rest, relax, and enjoy some time away and be poured into. And next thing we know, God started doing something in our heart. <laughs> and we, so part of the story here is we had, a, had an opportunity to stay in Phoenix and, and step into kind of what I would call a turnkey role as, as pastors of, of a growing church in, in the metro area there. And, but God was doing something. And, and God basically, long story short, said, I want you to go to Utah. I don't want you to go to Utah because you have a position. I don't want you to go to Utah because there's something turnkey ready for you to step into there. I want you to go to Utah because I'm calling you there and I'm putting a burden in your heart for the people of Utah. I'm like, all right, God. <laughs> and there was a verse that, that was spoken over us during that time, Psalm 37, 34. It said, put your hope in the Lord Travel steadily along his path, and he will honor you by giving you the land, and you will see the wicked destroyed. And in the midst of that verse and that promise being given to us, I, it was our last Sunday at our church, and there was a guest speaker there, and, and he was talking about the promised land. And, the, and as he was talking about the promised land, how amazing the promised land sounds when you're ready to step into it. But in the midst of that message, he started talking about the giants, in the promised land. And, and if you're unfamiliar with that story from the Old Testament, the Israelite people, God's chosen people, were, were ready to go into the promised land that God had promised them. And then they sent in 12 spies because they were there. They were ready to step in. They sent in 12 spies. 10 of them come back. Well, all 12 of them come back and go, man, promised land looks amazing. This is God's promise. It, it looks incredible. But 10 of them go, but... There are some mighty people there. In fact, there are some giants there that are much mightier than us and will probably defeat us. And so for 40 more years, they wandered in the desert because they allowed fear to take them out. 40 years later, the two of those that said, no, we can take on the giants, entered into the promised land and ended up defeating the giants and taking God's chosen people into the promised land. And in our journey here, that was a pivotal story for us because we, we saw this as us kind of stepping into God's promise, as us stepping into what God had called us to, but realizing and knowing that even in the midst of promises and even in the midst of God's provision, there will be giants. And I've got to be honest that for the past two months getting here, there have been moments where I've looked at the giants, um, the giants of even my own health. There have been days where I've literally not gotten out of bed, um, have an have a autoimmune disease that, that I had under control while we were in Phoenix. 
and we moved here and, and kind of, can I say it, but all hell broke loose. <laughs> and for the past two months, there have been moments where I've looked at the giants and I've said, they're too great. God, why can't I just go back? Why can't I just go back where it was safe? But here's what I know. Fear will paralyze us if we allow it. But what I do know is truth is that we do not find fear in God's promises. The enemy will try to create fear in the midst of God's promises. The enemy will try to, to allow us to focus on the physical and show us that there's fear in that. But what I've learned and what I am learning is that we can't find fear in God's promises because his promises are yes and amen. And what we sing, man, th that last song, <laughs> we don't fight in the natural. We fight in the supernatural. And the giants that are out there, we can take them on. And we can step into the promises that God has given us. And as I was studying for this, I read this, this just little snippet. I want to close with this. They were talking about the giants in the land. said, this connection is seen when we understand that the promised land typifies the whole world in which we dwell. Now that King Jesus has come, the whole earth belongs to him. And just as there were giants in the land of Canaan that needed to be driven out, the earth today is filled with Christ's enemies. The spiritual giants, including unbelief and false teaching, must be driven from the earth so that all will come to the saving faith in Christ. However, this is a spiritual war, not one of flesh and blood. Stay there. Stay there. Easy question. And then a hard step of faith I'd like you and I to take this morning because as I sat there, that fear rose up in me because... The enemy tried to lie to me, Alan, that some people have been contending for a long time. And how long should you contend? So the easy question first. Someone's sitting here watching you online, Alan, and they're going, whoa, God's stirring that sort of thing in me. In my life, he's stirring a, a step of faith or drawing us to a place of faith or asking us to step into whatever he's been stirring in them here as 2019 comes to an end. What would you say to someone this morning? Say, okay, Alan, it looks like you're two or three steps ahead of me. How, how can I position myself? How would you encourage me to take the first step of moving into allowing God to continue to stir things in my life? I think it comes back to getting in a quiet place where you hear his voice. Not what somebody else is speaking to you, but what he is speaking to you. And, and allowing the physical things around you that are causing fear, allowing his voice to be louder than that. Uh, and, 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 and that takes practice. That's not something that you do one time and go, okay, now I hear the voice of God. There's a discipline. There's a practice of being quiet and, and allowing the distractions to be taken away so that you can tune in and hear the voice of God that, that when you hear it is much louder than the fear. So Alan, it sounds nice because you've got this down, you're an expert. Um, I mean, like listen to him like, hello, right? 
So, so, so what does it look like for someone else who's like, whoa, what, what does getting quiet before God look like? What does that look like for you? What, what might it look like for us? What would be, how's a way we could practice that? So, can I, I'll give you one really simple way that I, I did about two weeks ago. So, I love football. <laughs> and, 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 and I love college football. And so Saturdays are like, man, put the college. So I was, I was actually laying, I was having one of those days. I was kind of, you could say, couch ridden. And uh, just health was, was so bad. I was sitting there, I was watching football and enjoying football. And somebody sent a, a YouTube video to Shannon. And it was just a prophetic word. Um, and, it, and it was just them kind of speaking uh, God's word, and, and it was set to some music, and it was, and and so I made a decision that moment to turn the football game off, put some headphones on. It was about 20 minutes long. I just sat there and I began to listen to it, and I'm telling you, I, Shannon, can I tell? I'm, I'm laying on the couch weeping because God was just speaking through that in that moment, and and it. And it was because I made a decision that sometimes I don't always make the right decision. In that moment, I made the right decision to turn off the distraction. Football's fun. It's good. But in that moment, it was a distraction of what God was wanting to do in that moment in my life. And I made the decision to move the distraction away and allow God's presence and his voice to speak to me. Amen. You step down there, please. Shannon, would you come join me a second? Go the way to the floor, Alan, would you? Yeah. If, uh, if you're sick this morning, or you have someone in your family who is sick this morning, I want you to stand in recognition for them, or if it's you, you stand. Church, we're, we're a four-square church. Uh, what does that mean? We, it means we believe in the fullness of the Word of God, that it hasn't stopped God's promises and what he said didn't stop back somewhere at the beginning of all of this, that it's continually available to us. In fact, one of the four square emblems is as God is our healer. So do me a favor if you're comfortable. Like if you're a guest this morning, please just relax. But if you're, this is part of your family this morning, you're part of a crossroads family and just look around someone standing near you. Do me a favor, just quickly and quietly ask them this question. Like first, even Stephen, are you standing for you or standing for somebody? Sarah, is you standing for you or is it somebody? Ask the person's name. And I'm going to ask Shannon to pray over all of us in a second. Some of the men come stand and lay hands on Alan, but is there someone nearby you? Just politely go ahead, politely go ahead and ask them permission to lay hands on them and stand with them and ask why. Is it Stephen? If it's you personally, great. If it's somebody you're standing for, then stand with them for that person. Please go ahead and do that right now. Come on, church, be comfortable. Let's just give God a chance. Alan was crazy enough to go there and open enough. Everybody got someone standing with them? I'm going to ask Shannon to pray over all of us. And as Shannon's praying, I want you to do this. I want you to listen to Shannon's prayer. And then I want you to, by faith, I want you to speak whatever the name, if it's the person you're standing with, if it's somebody else you're standing there for next to them, I want you to speak their name under your breath. Go, Lord, I'm agreeing with Shannon for blah, blah, blah. So Shannon, would you please pray for us this morning? Jesus, the account of your life in Matthew tells us 
Matthew made sure to tell us that there was a moment when the sick were pouring into your presence and you said in your, in your gospel, you made sure we knew that you healed every disease, not some. It says that every on, sickness Jesus. that was brought Stand to you was healed. Power, every disease Release and sickness. And that means that your name is above sickness. Yes, your name is above disease. Lord, we have a lot of brilliant people in the medical community, Lord, and they help us in so many ways, but they can't cure disease. Diseases. They can't cure chronic illness. You are the cure. You are the healer. And so right now in this moment, we express faith and say yes. that you are healing. Even as I stand here with I'm a husband who is sick and moving. has a disease, moving. I don't waver in my Jesus faith. You are still good and you are Jesus. still the healer. And so over every sickness today, moved. autoimmune, Jesus. you bow at the name of Jesus. Jesus. Every autoimmune, every Jesus. cancer, Answer, every sickness. Yes. There's no such thing as a small sickness or a big sickness in your presence. It all bows before the name of Jesus. And I just have that picture of you on that cross. And you said that you were taking stripes on your back for our healing. Yes. That's not just for our soul to be healed, which is a part of it. It is for our physical healing that we could never, never bring for ourselves. You are the healer. And so I just, in faith, I speak healing out over this room today. Every person represented, whether they are in the room or somewhere else. In Jesus' name, sickness bow before the name of Jesus. And let the... Let the state of Utah <laughs> come to know that there is a Jesus that heals. It's not just something we talk about at Crossroads. It's something we believe. It's something we practice and we walk in. And so we speak it and we believe it. And we thank you, Jesus, that you're healing right now as we speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yeah. Amen. Amen. Everybody has a story. God wants to speak through every person. There's no superstars. There's just one superstar. He lives in us and all of us. I privileged this morning to uh, introduce just a young man I've known for a few years. I've watched him walk out his journey. I've watched him... Uh, contend for and press into and allow God to show up in every area's life. He is one of our military men that serves along with the women that serve, but one of our military men who allows us to enjoy this freedom that we get to express, that we get to worship freely because of him, our people's sacrifice. We don't say thank you enough to our military. Every time you see a service woman or man, give them a hug, buy them a coffee, buy them a jamba juice, please do something for them. They deserve it a billion times over. So ladies and gentlemen, this morning, would you please look at my dear friend, Michael Gleam. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. <clears throat> Just get this going. No, no, that's not right. Okay. Whoops. All right. <clears throat> so my name is Michael, and I just want to thank Rob and Crossroads for allowing me to come here today to speak to you. It's, it's truly an honor. Uh, some of you might recognize me. I'm usually back there in the drum cage where you can't really see me, so you might not recognize me. You just kind of hear me playing and stuff like that sometimes. 
So, <clears throat> interesting, interestingly enough, when my family and I, my beautiful wife Jamie over there, I got my daughter Graceland, she's still in here, and my uh, father-in-law Frank, daughter Lainey downstairs, son John is also downstairs, uh, they're worshiping away right now. Anyway, when we PCSed in, uh, I came from Korea, I was there for a year, uh, we came church shopping, as you do when you PCS to a new location. And we landed on Crossroads, and I'm, I'm so incredibly thankful we did. The family and friends that we've gotten here is just, it's, it's indescribable. It, it really is. So when I got here, I asked uh, Owen and Lauren, if you don't know them, they are the worship team leaders. I asked them, said, hey, you know, like I, I played drums at church uh, in Korea for about the year I was there and got a little bit of experience and I'd, I'd love it if you'd let me do it here. And of course they were very accepting, very loving about it and said, yeah, definitely come on. And the first time I ever came up on stage on that Sunday morning, went back to the cage and my nerves were just going so fast. And I was just like, okay, God, here we go. We're going to do this. We're going to get through this. <laughs> And so every time after that, it just got a little tiny bit easier, just a little bit easier. And now it's kind of to the point where I show up on a Sunday morning, I have fun, I, I love with the worship team, and I know God's going to show up. He's going to show up, we're going to have a great worship set, and if we don't, hey, what's the matter? I mean, we're still having fun, right? And honestly, you guys don't really notice when you mess up anyway. <laughs> That's usually our own thing. We're like, oh, yeah, well, okay. No, good thing nobody acknowledged Jamie. Like, and she's like, oh, I didn't notice. It sounded great. So about four or five months ago, I went to NCO Academy for the Air Force, which is just a basic leadership course. You go to wherever. I went to Colorado for five weeks. And they teach you a lot about leadership and, and what it means to lead about in public speaking and everything. And I learned so much about serving while I was there along with while I've been at the church, talking to the pastors, and just reading the Bible, and I've learned so much about servitude. And so when I came back, I talked to Adam, who's one of our other pastors, Adam, and I said, hey, you know, I've been, I, I, feel, I really feel like God has called me to get better at public speaking and to, and to serve in such a manner. And so he said, yeah, awesome. Very loving, very accepting, and said, well, let's look at doing the MC. And if you don't know, the MC is the person that comes up uh, after the worship music and gives the announcements and like what Rob was talking about, the New Year's Eve service. And so I, I've been doing that for the last few months. And I'll tell you, again, the first time I came up, my nerves were just on fire. And I was just like, oh my gosh. How, uh, then, okay, okay, now I'm good, I'm good. No. <laughs> So anyway, now that has brought me here, stepping further out of my comfort zone, and I've run so far away, I don't even see it anymore. I'm like, where is it? Okay. So, against society norms, I, I, I try to look at serving my people, the people that have been placed under me, under my responsibility. I don't like to think of it as, oh, my people serve me and they work for me. No, I work for them. I serve them. And when it comes to serving, it's not necessarily just volunteering at church, which is absolutely fantastic. If you can plug in anywhere, like they say, everyone's a 10 somewhere, and I don't feel like I'm a 10 anywhere, but hey, I'm here and I'm doing it. <laughs> and there's no resume required, right? You come volunteer, you, there's, 
they didn't ask me like, well, let me see how long you've been drumming and what songs you can play. No, they were just like, yeah, please, come do it. <clears throat> if you look right here, love God, love people, it's that simple. Loving God, or loving people is serving people. And what can serving look like? It can be a simple smile as you pass somebody. I know for me personally that's happened. I was having a horrible day. A guy I kind of knew was uh, walking by me and gave me a smile. And I was like, oh man, I felt so much better just for the rest of the day just by a simple smile. Imagine going to work with your coworkers and you see somebody you don't really care for. Because, I mean, if you have somebody like that, I mean... I don't know. But if there is somebody you don't particularly care for, imagine serving them. Imagine seeing them struggle. And you say, you walk up to them and say, hey, are, are you doing okay? Can I help you with something? Do you need to talk about something? Imagine what that would look like to them. Their jaw would hit the floor. They wouldn't know what to say. And man, I'm just telling you, the, the impact that that has on them is incredible. That is being Jesus to people. Talk to your spouse. If you're retired or you don't work or you're a student, talk to, your, talk to your spouse or your girlfriend or how can I serve you? Go home. Be the first one to ask, how can I serve you? What is it that I can do for you? Because have you ever really thought about, have you actually ever said those words to your spouse? How can I serve you? <clears throat> Another example I like to use is Rob using the golf cart. So, a lot of the times, the worship team, we park early in the morning down the hill, and Rob's there waiting with the golf cart, just like, all right, let's go. We're going to drive you up the hill so you don't have to climb up Everest with your music gear and everything like that. <laughs> I mean, he just, he's got a heart to serve, and it, it's so incredible, so amazing. So, moving into 2020, here in just a few days, we're going to move into a new year. Imagine with me, if you will, whether you're a high school student, a college student, if you're retired, if you're a teacher, if you're the CEO of Amazon, which if you're in here, please, I need a job after the military, so. <laughs> if you're in the military, if you're a stay-at-home parent, if you're a young parent, if you're a new dad, please ask your wife, how can I serve you? Serve, just serve your children. Your title is a privilege and an opportunity to serve. Don't look at it as a title of authority. Look at it as, oh, I can do this, I can help these people, and I can serve them. Just as Jesus did for his disciples. <clears throat> so I want to read a scripture. It's Matthew 20, 28, or Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Okay? The Son of Man, Jesus, came to serve, not to be served. So my challenge is this for you. If our Messiah came to serve us, what does that look like for you? And I asked, my challenge to you is to ask God. As Alan was saying, sit back and listen. Clear all your other thoughts and ask God, where is it that I, can, that I can serve? Where do you want me to serve God? And I'll tell you, you may not like the answer, and it may make you feel real uncomfortable, but that's okay. Because anything you do that God does through you, where you can be Jesus for other people, 
I'm telling you, it's incredible. Thank you. Well, and Michael, you kind of went to the top of the list. Jesus and then the CEO of Amazon. So I think the rest of us are below both of those guys. So, Michael, it's, it's easier said than done. Let's be honest, right? We all say that. When, when someone's sitting here watching you this morning, Michael, and like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of self-centered. Or I, I like everybody serving me. or I like always being about me. But, but God pricked their heart or stirred their heart this morning. What would you say to them as a first step to moving from maybe being selfish in 2019 to truly becoming a servant in 2020? What would you encourage us to do this morning? Look for an opportunity. We're all so incredibly busy in our lives. We all don't have enough time in the day, at least some of us. Put, if you're out and you're on your phone, maybe put your phone down for a second and truly look around and let God speak to you and, and just look for opportunities to serve people. And like I said, serving can be going through uh, a line at the supermarket or Walmart or whatever and just smiling at the cashier saying, hey, how are you doing today? Hey, you know, I hope you had a really good Christmas. Have a good New Year. It's just about looking through a constant lens of servitude. If you look through life every single day and think, okay, I really like the phrase, the last get a crown. I really like that. And I try to live by that on a daily basis. Let others go before you. Like, just be more aware of what's going on. And, again, just looking for those opportunities to serve and asking God, like, the, like my challenge is ask God where you can serve and truly listen. And you'll be so surprised on what he, what he tells you. Hey, can I ask you guys a question? If we were to have an officer in the Air Force that kind of acted like that, do you think we'd have a better Air Force? Yeah. Well, 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 this young man has applied for offer. He didn't tell us. I'm going to get in trouble now afterwards. I'll ask for forgiveness rather than you know, permission. I'll ask forgiveness. Um, Michael's applied for offer. He finds out here in a few days. So you do me a favor if you're coming. Would you just, rate, Alan, would you join me a second? Would you reach your hand towards him and let's just pray for Michael? Because I, I would love to see someone like Michael lead our officers in the Air Force to a place of serving our people rather than being served by them. And so his heart at the leadership school was about, Lord, help me become a servant. His heart at home is to help me become a servant. And we're just talking about this opportunity the other day. Rob, if, if God is calling me to step into this, and he'll find out here in the next few days potentially. Rob, I, I want to be a servant to every person that God would put under me. I want to give my life away to serve them. And that's truly the calling of an officer. Someone of authority is to serve your people. So do me a favor. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for Michael. Thank you for his heart, Lord, as he steps into this season with Jamie and the family and all that you have ahead of him. I know his heart's desire the our day was, Lord, open the door that you open and close the door that you can keep closed. And so, Father, we just come today. Lord, if this is the direction and the calling you have for Michael, it doesn't matter, Lord Jesus, what other people would say. Uh, this, this kid, Lord Jesus, is David on the hill looking after sheep and Jesse's in the temple and God stirs Samuel to ask for the other son that's missing and it was David and it's Michael. So, Lord, we ask you to call Michael to that place. Father God, if that's the door you have for him, that's the season you're calling them to, Lord Jesus, we ask you to go ahead of him. 
order his steps in a supernatural way to allow him to be everything and do everything you've called him to in his life. Father God, his passion, Jesus, is to act like you around the people you've placed about him on a 24-7 basis. And we thank you for his faithful service to us and our armed forces. And we lift him before you and we honor him because of all of that. So Jesus, walk him into your future, God. We ask in your precious name. All God's people said, Amen. Bless you, buddy. Thank you. Can I let you into a secret this morning? Um, we've had some amazing people. They're all amazing sharing our seven-minute messages, which we do at our church. From the day and hour that God stirred my heart at convention to, to instigate this with Adam and our team, this is the young lady I've wished would say yes. And at the end of 2019, you get to hear from her heart. It's been an honor and a privilege to know her. It's been amazing to watch her grow and become everything that God's called her to do. Today is way outside of her comfort zone, but I think that's really cool. Uh, so do me a favor. Please, please, please help welcome one of my coolest young adults in the world, Sarah Corey. Come up here, Sarah. So, my name is Sarah, and I'm an introvert. <laughs> I get energy from having alone time. I don't revel in the light of a stage. In fact, it terrifies me. I was created as a quiet soul, meant to support from the background. I enjoy being up in the eagle's nest behind the computer where no one can see me. But God planted a desire in me from when I was little for worship. Jesus sweetly reminded me of a moment when I was younger when my aunt asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, regardless of money or security. If I knew God would take care of me, what would I want to do? My answer? I told her I wanted to be a worship leader. Now to a lot of people that would not make sense, and even to me it was pretty crazy, if I struggled presenting in front of my classes, how in the world am I going to stand on a stage and sing? God called me to a very scary place. I'm sure we've all made those flippant prayers. Oh God, I would love to serve in this capacity. God, I want to be used by you in any way you want. Do we know what we're asking for in the moment? <laughs> Not always. We can't see the struggles that come with what we're asking. We only see the good God can do. So when we're on fire for God, we say, call me and choose me. And God takes us at our word. This happened to Peter in Matthew chapter 14. Jesus stayed behind while his disciples went ahead on a boat. Jesus needed some alone time to pray. I can get behind that. But the disciples had gotten pretty far out. A storm began, and the wind and waves were raging all around them. They had no control whatsoever. They looked out early in the morning and saw a figure on the waves walking toward them. They were terrified. It was a ghost. <laughs> Nothing else could walk upon such an angry sea. But of course, it was Jesus. He says to them, have courage. Don't be afraid. It is I. If it really is you, Peter calls back. Tell me to come to you on the water. What? <laughs> Peter, you're safe on the boat. Jesus is coming towards you. Why do you feel the need to get out of the boat? 
Jesus says, come. Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water towards Jesus. How in the world is this possible? He's doing it. Were the other disciples just watching this? Did one of them have a leg hanging out of the boat, getting ready to join Peter in this miracle? Or were they all just standing there amazed? All of a sudden, Peter looks around him and sees what's going on. He sees the storm and begins to panic. This is not possible. I must be dreaming. I can't really do this. No one can walk on water. Peter starts to sink. He could turn to his disciple or to the disciples back on the boat, but all they could likely do is shout at him, maybe also to Jesus, telling him to save Peter. And Peter certainly couldn't rescue himself at this point. I mean, he's drowning. <laughs> he's too far from the boat, and he can't get himself out of the situation. He calls out to Jesus, Lord, save me. Jesus reaches out his hand and catches Peter. In the Passion Translation, Jesus says, What little faith you have, why would you let doubt win? The storm only ceases as Jesus and Peter get back in the boat. It was never about the storm, but about Peter's faith and focus on the one who walked on the waves. When have you found yourself like Peter? On fire for Jesus and in total trust, you say, Tell me to come to you. And he said, Come. <laughs> You stepped out onto those waves. You took a few steps, only to see the waves of self-doubt, the wind shouting lies that you weren't made for this. What storm is distracting you from the one who you asked to call you out? Identify the storm, or identifying the storm can be easy. I don't like public speaking. <laughs> or maybe it sounds like I've failed so many times. I don't have enough faith. I can't do this. So much can distract us from the sure footing he is giving us through our faith. Stop looking at the storm. Stop checking your resume and look at the Savior, the one trampling your fears and doubts. And while the boat is safe and your community is a valuable asset, they are not, they're only meant to encourage you and guide you. They do not give you the ability to walk on the water. Peter was not able to walk on the water in his own power, but in Jesus's. We're going to take a second to put this into action. We're going to sing oceans together. You can stay sitting or you can stand, whatever you're most comfortable with. This is your opportunity to call out to Jesus for the first time or for the hundredth time. He will catch you and pull you out if you take your eyes off the waves and put them on him. you in the mystery 
oceans deep my faith will stand and I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves when oceans rise my soul will rest in your abounds in deepest waters your sovereign hand will be my guide where feet may fail and fear surrounds me you never
it look like to take Jesus' hand? It looks like peace. It looks like direction. It looks like purpose and restoration. Let Jesus take hold of you and let the lesson you've learned drive you to step out more, not less. Let the lesson be that the boat isn't what saves you, but Jesus is. Say yes to Jesus and he will open doors for you you never thought were possible. If everyone kept their eyes on Jesus, think of how far we could walk on the water together, the miracles he could and would do through us. I guess that's payback for wanting you to be up here. <laughs> Fair enough. A lot of people watching Sarah from all over the place and there's a lot of people here and I love your heart and I think it's profound. I think I've watched Sarah step into just wherever she can serve. What, what, would, you, what would you say to someone this morning, Sarah, about, I mean, the whole idea, the whole picture of that song is crazy because it's way out there, it's out on the water and that. What would you say to someone this morning who maybe has lived in fear or, or lived in my resume's not good enough or lived in I'm not good enough or I'm a different personality? I mean, you have an introvert up here being an extrovert, which is kind of crazy, right? Really cool. Uh, but what would you say to them this morning, Sarah, to how to move to that place of taking a step of faith like you have? Um, God doesn't make mistakes. Um, he gives us opportunities to grow. And the waves and the wind aren't, it's not about that. It's about what he has for us and what he wants to do through us um, and for us. And he loves us so much that he's not going to let us just drown if we step out. Um, so there's never an opportunity uh, that we accept that is wasted. So sir, he's not going to, or is he, maybe you should ask, is he, rather than he's not, my apologies. Is he going to take someone, Sarah, in, like you, like, and you're an introvert who you are, and, and force you to be somebody else, or is he going to let you be used in who you are in him? What would, what would you say to somebody who's going, I don't know if I want to change to be something different, what would you say? Um, God doesn't want us to change in that way, I don't think. Um, he, he made me an introvert, and he made you an extrovert, and he wants to use us both. Um, and it's going to look different, but just because I'm an introvert doesn't mean I can't be used the same way he uses you. Well, you sing way better, way better than I do, so I'm not even going to try that. So let's just leave that alone, okay? You win. Man, thank you, Sarah. Love you very much. I really appreciate you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, we're going to close here in a second. I'm going to ask the three of them. Would you guys, can I, would, Alan, would you go over there? Michael, would you go in the middle? And Sarah, would you go over here? Jason, would you just come up and join us and be available, partner, if you can? We're going to close in a second, and, and if you need prayer, if you like prayer for anything about what you've heard this morning, I'd encourage you to let one of these guys pray for you, but, but I'll go out in a limb. I know Adam's out helping and serving and doing some. I wish he was, if I could get Adam right. Oh, he's right there. Come here, buddy, a second, would you please? Um, this is off script, so I'll ask for forgiveness afterwards from him. Um, come on up here. Um, 
Crossroads is on a crazy journey. We're way, way out beyond the breakwaters. Um, Adam is one of my greatest friends and greatest cheerleaders and greatest protectors in the world. He has covered my butt a thousand times over where I take steps of faith and I go, I kind of missed it. And he goes, no, we can fix it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, he has been with me and as a friend and his family and is an incredible pastor in his own right. He oversees our, our collaboration, our communications team as a whole that affects all of this. Um, we have three campuses. We have Ogden and we have Syracuse. And so we've taken incredible steps of faith in doing that. And as we move into 2020, I, we didn't ask them to say this. We left it to them what to say. But I would encourage you, if, if you need somewhere to serve and want to get involved, well, we, we need you to come and take this journey. But we gave away our best. Um, you're still the best, but we gave away our best. We were serving in key areas in our church here. We gave them to Ogden, and he has such a fantastic job to help us spread what we do. And then this person jumped off a cliff with Pastor Joe, and we did it again in Syracuse. And, and we gave away some of the people that were holding all this together and doing it. And we're getting ready to do it again. Uh, that's why they came here. Uh, it was to plant another campus, another church. And so we're going to do it, not tomorrow. I promise. Not tomorrow, I promise. I promise. I promise. I wasn't announcing it, yeah. <laughs> um, but we believe in lying. Uh, I don't know if you know about this, and please hear my heart, and Adam can fix it afterwards. And I'm going to ask Adam to pray for us here. Um, there's only one church in the whole boundary of Syracuse. That's Crossroads Church now. The little Baptist church that was there closed down because they said we've been trying for 18, 19, 20 years to do something and when you came along, you took the pressure off of us. And so the pastor was dual pastoring, co-pastoring two churches, this one in Syracuse on a Saturday night and he was driving to, um, what's that place? Six hours away, Adam, uh, where Joe's friend is. Cedar City. He was driving to Cedar City on Saturday night after the service and pastoring a church on Sunday morning in Cedar City and staying there Monday through Wednesday and then coming back here. So when we took a step of faith and we became a, our little light of ours, we're going to let it shine. And Crossroads stepped in to, to, to what God was calling us and Pastor Joe and his team were there this morning doing this. He said, Rob, you took the pressure off because in the boundaries of Syracuse, the only Christian church, and please forgive me if you're from a different background and you feel that's offensive, please come see me afterwards. But our definition of Christianity is that Jesus is the Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the one who gives us salvation. He's the one that brings us the gift of salvation. We don't have Jesus and then do something. It's a gift that he gives. And so as a Christian church, we believe in that. So that's where I'm coming from. If you're from a different faith and have offended, you please come see me. Uh, but, but when it comes to a Christian church, the only Christian church in Syracuse, and he helped me and encouraged me to take another step of faith and to turn our boat upside down. And so we did. And so we've let, expanded in two different areas because we feel it was what God was calling us to. We didn't just want to have one big church patch. Gary Pitcher was on the council way, way back years ago. We sat down and, and Gary said, well, what do you want to do? I said, I don't want a church of 5,000. I'd like to have 20 churches of 500 all over the place where people can be involved in ministry and serving and doing that. And Gary was one of the council members that way back then made a decision on this building to us to not sell and buy somewhere else, but to take this building and use our resources to reach as many people as possible in as many ways as possible, as many people as possible. And he has done an amazing, amazing job of, of allowing people to get involved. We don't look for resumes. He's the coolest non-resume person I've ever met in my life that he 
grabs people, Michael and others like him, and he draws them in and goes, hey, come and take this journey with us. So I'd encourage you this morning as we finish up 2019, I'm asking you just open-heartedly, we have loads, of, Caitlin is doing an amazing job downstairs, Clay is doing a fantastic job allowing people over, all over the nation and in Ireland this morning to watch our service because of our production team and everything else, Adam does an amazing job of drawing communicators and people and allowing Michaels to go ahead like to try and Adam does a fantastic job of taking people who don't feel they can and giving them an opportunity to do what they can and so we would encourage you and pray for you and ask you to come, get involved, find someone to serve in 2020 with if you're not serving we'd love you to come take that journey with us and so this morning as Adam closes in prayer if you want to talk about this sort of stuff with somebody he's the coolest cat in the world for doing this and so Adam would you pray for us in your best Irish accent <laughs> mom he's praying in an Irish accent so check him out <laughs> hey one reason I'm not much of a resume person is because I dropped out of bible school so you should know that about me some of you are like oh that makes sense now <laughs> Um, thank you, uh, Pastor Rob, for all those uh, kind things you said. And uh, before I pray, I just want to share this with you because this could be very relevant for you or a friend or a neighbor. Um, next Sunday we meet, it'll be the 1st of January, and we're going to start a series that talks about when God doesn't make sense. And anybody that has authentically walked with God has arrived many times in their life to a place where they God, you make, where you think to yourself, maybe not out loud, you go, God, you don't make any sense right now. Have you ever asked questions like, why do good things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to good people? What's up with that? And so we're going to spend all of January asking and dealing and wrestling with those kinds of difficult questions. So if you're there now, or you have a friend that is struggling uh, because of what they see happening in the world, we're going to talk about it because you know what? Church should be a place where you can ask tough questions, and no one makes you feel bad about it for asking it, and no one asks you to just turn off your brain. No, no, this should be a place where you can ask questions and tough ones. And that's what we're going to do in January. So please come for that. So Lord, I want to thank you for my three friends who said yesterday to come up and share the good thing that you're doing in them. God, for all of our friends here today, uh, many of who stood because they're sick or they know someone who's sick, Lord, bless their hearts, touch them, move in them, um, help us, Lord, to serve others, help us to walk out into whatever you want us to walk into, um, and Lord, um, Lord, I just, I just love you and thank you for the life you give, that you are alive, you are the creator, God, you are living, God, and you want to have a personal relationship with your creation. You did not make all of this to just kind of let it spin and walk away. You created us and you love us and you desire to be in relationship with us. For anybody here that is yet to begin a relationship with you and has yet to learn like Alan talked about how to hear from you, may that happen. May you woo them, draw them to you and your love. We thank you for this day. And uh, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.